Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Eco Chic, a podcast all about practical science and sustainability. My name is Laura, and I am a graduate student studying climate science. If you're new to Eco Chic, welcome. I'm really, really excited to have you here. Every week, we're talking about climate change from a whole bunch of different angles, but also just personal tips on how to be a more responsible citizen of the planet. Before we get into today's episode too deep, I would like to first start off by saying two things. Firstly, I would like to dedicate this episode to my friend Jason, who was a very big supporter of this podcast, but only liked to compliment me when he was blackout, so I feel like he would have laughed at this little daytime shout out. Secondly, I would like to thank everyone so much for the overwhelming support that I've received the last few weeks, especially since I put out the happy hour episode where I had on a bunch of friends and we just talked about energy and had some drinks and got really into the nitty gritty of the potentials of different kinds of renewables. So since then, I have received an overwhelming amount of support and just positive vibes and people giving me feedback that I am so, so thankful for. I love to say at the end that I'm thankful for everyone that listens, but I wanted to start off with that today because it's been kind of crazy the last couple weeks how many people have reached out to me, and I'm so, so thankful that people care about this podcast and are finding value in it, and I hope to continue to be a resource. So go ahead and share with your friends, rate, subscribe, follow, whatever is the move on your preferred listening platform because I'm here and I see you and I'm so, so thankful. Now we have a bunch of guests coming up the next couple weeks, so I thought it would be fun to just do a little solo episode this week. And I wanna talk about something that we haven't gotten too into yet on the podcast, and that is water. Water, I believe, is probably our limiting resource, much more than energy, which we put a lot of emphasis on in the world of how do we save the planet and how do we reduce our footprint. I think water is our biggest challenge because the world does not have enough drinking water. We don't have any concept of how much water we are actually bringing into our homes or using on a regular basis. So I kind of want to just run down the idea of a water footprint. A water footprint is basically just, again, how much water are you consuming on a daily basis? How much are you bringing into your home? And this goes into both direct and indirect water usage. So this is just going to be a really easy overview of what it means to be more water conscious. And I want you to go ahead, if you are so interested, and look up a water calculator online. There are a whole bunch of different ones if you just Google water calculator or water footprint calculator or something along those lines. And it's really easy to kind of break down based on your diet and your driving habits and your buying habits, things like that, of how much water you're actually consuming on a regular basis. So without further ado, again, I would like to break down this episode into direct water consumption and indirect water consumption. So the easiest, easiest like way that we can visualize water consumption in our homes directly is, I believe, a shower. So showers, assuming that you have the average 2018 low flow shower head, every minute that you're showering uses about two and a half gallons of water, which is kind of wild if you think about it. If you're imagining a gallon of drinking water, just one of those plastic jugs, two and a half of those for every single minute that you're showering. So a 10 minute shower uses 25 gallons of water which is wild. If you're someone who likes to listen to music in the shower, a really easy way to reduce your consumption would be just challenge yourself to keep your showers to the length of like two songs. Let's say a song is three and a half minutes. That's a seven minute shower, which is really not that much less, but it cuts down your water footprint kind of significantly in the bathroom. 
If you have an older shower head, you know, something like from the 90s, for whatever reason, you're using about five gallons of water per minute that you shower. So just swap those out ASAP. That's like a really easy switch that you can make to reduce your footprint. And I will go ahead and be very, very honest here. I love a bath. I feel like as an environmentalist, I should not be admitting that I love taking baths. Baths are wildly water intensive, obviously. A bath takes about 70 gallons of water just to fill all the way up. So I try to limit myself to every other week, but the environmental ideal would be, of course, zero baths. So 70 gallons of water is a ton. Also on the bathroom topic, low flow toilets. Um, If you're only using a low flow toilet, you should be using about a gallon and a half of water per flush. And a standard toilet, again, like something from the 90s, something like the shower heads, is using about five to seven gallons per flush. You're probably living in a home with low flow toilets, but if not, consider swapping those out ASAP. Something that gets a really, really bad rap also on the topic of household direct water consumption is dishwashers. Standard dishwashers use about 15 gallons per load, which is a lot. I'm totally admitting that's a lot of water to use just to clean your dishes. However, if you were to wash an entire load of dishes by hand, even with a low flow kitchen faucet, they estimate that you use an average of 20 gallons of water per load of dishes. So dishwashing actually uses about 25% less water than washing by hand on average. One step further though, if your dishwasher has an Energy Star label, so that's just like a little blue sticker on a lot of different household appliances, your dishwasher is only using an average of four gallons per load. So that's incredibly efficient compared to hand washing your dishes. You are using more energy, of course, if you're heat drying and you have features like that on your dishwasher. But today we're focusing on water And if you're just thinking about water, an energy-efficient dishwasher is definitely the way to go. Now, let's talk briefly about gray water. Gray water is water that has been collected for reuse from sinks, from showers, washing machines, whatever. Basically, any stream of water in your household besides your toilet. If you own a home, you can definitely install a gray water system, and that will save you, on average, 40 gallons of water every single day. That's crazy. You can contact a plumber about this. I am not an expert in setting up home gray water systems, but I believe that they should be pretty seamless to install and in the long run save you an incredible amount of water. I don't really have the shower space to consider this, but a very easy primitive, in a sense, way that I've heard of people collecting gray water is just putting a bucket in their shower to collect extra water and then you use that to irrigate your plants or whatever you might use just like casual water for. Um, Again, I don't really have the space to consider it, but if you're into it, shower buckets are a really easy, good move to reduce your water waste. Now let's switch gears a little bit, and we're going to talk about indirect water consumption. Something that we don't really think about when it comes to water conservation is gasoline. In theory, I feel like gasoline and water are two totally separate ideas in my mind, but they're actually not. It takes about three-fourths of a gallon of water to drive one single mile. So that's kind of interesting to think about how all of our resources are very interconnected. Energy is something that we have talked about before on this podcast. So like I said, last week's episode was a happy hour all about energy. We wildly underestimate the amount of water that goes into our fuel sources. Coal power plants need water in the form of steam to just move through the pipes and the pipes heat the machinery, which burns coal. And that's how you get electricity from coal. 
Renewables are not actually the cure-all solution to water consumption, though, which I think is a very easy route to just say, let's go renewable and we'll save a whole bunch of water. Solar energy, in theory, should take zero water, but it's actually super, super water intensive to create solar panels. Specifically, it's the photovoltaic cells, like the individual little squares that you see making up a larger solar panel. Those are what's water intensive. So without getting too in the weeds of energy, I want to just first establish that an individual unit of electricity is measured in a kilowatt hour. So this is not per hour necessarily, because the term kilowatt hour suggests that, but it's just a unit of electricity. So coal uses a little bit less than two liters to produce one single kilowatt hour of electricity. Oil takes about a liter and a half of water for the same single kilowatt hour of electricity. Solar panels, however, when you're considering the consumption of the photovoltaic cells, take about 3.6 liters of water per kilowatt hour. So that's about 150% more water to produce electricity via solar panels than it is to produce it via coal, which is kind of heartbreaking when you think about it from an environmentalist perspective. Wind is kind of the best when it comes to water consumption. Wind power only really needs water in the production of wind turbines and then in the cleaning of them, so it's the least water-intensive energy resource. If you want to get into these numbers, I will definitely link my sources down below. Other indirect water sources in our homes are food products. Beef is absolutely the worst culprit when it comes to water and food. It takes about 1,800 gallons of water to produce one single pound of beef. So that's like every 10-minute shower you take over the course of six months to produce one single packet of ground beef. That's ridiculous. There are other things, of course, that take a lot of water that are very unassuming. So almonds. It takes about four gallons of water to produce one single almond. So yeah, that's indirect water consumption. Every single thing that we bring into our homes consumes water. Today's question comes from my friend Mia, and this was about traveling sustainably. How do you reduce your environmental footprint when you are traveling? So this is a really great question. I've been traveling a lot this summer, and I'm really thankful to be able to share some of my insight. And I want to keep this brief because the listener questions are supposed to be just little tidbits of information. But the number one pro tip I like to suggest to everyone is to bring an empty water bottle through TSA with you and then just fill it up with water after you go through security. I have found that I cannot get these water bottles refilled on planes. So I've flown American and JetBlue this summer, and I've heard that Delta is the same way. A lot of the times the flight attendants just say it's a um, sanitation policy. It's kind of silly because the flight attendants can also refill cups that they've already given out to other passengers. I was recently told by someone though that WOW Airlines gives out water bottles that they have their flyers reuse the whole time that they're on the plane. So I think that's really awesome and that's a really good move that we should all be working towards in the airline space. If anyone has flown recently and has had success refilling a water bottle on a flight, please reach out. I would love to know and that would be my preferred airline. Another thing that I like to do when it comes to sustainable travel is to take multiple one-way flights as opposed to taking a bunch of round-trip flights and this reduces my carbon footprint. It doesn't always work out depending on your schedule or what kind of flexibility you have but I am all about it. I'm very thankful to have had a very flexible summer. So I will just take a one-way flight to the East Coast and then take another one-way flight and then a one-way flight home. So it's really just a matter of 
breaking it down because if you're taking a bunch of round trip flights, you're essentially doubling the amount of plane time that you're taking. So planes are also the most intense thing you can do for your personal carbon footprint. If on the water calculator side, you also want to go ahead and Google personal carbon footprint calculator, plane travel is like the worst thing you can do for your individual carbon footprint. I have broken down sustainable travel tips on episode five of the podcast if you are interested in learning more. But otherwise, yeah, it's just a really good move to think about water bottles. And once someone showed that to me, I can't believe I hadn't thought about it before. I hope you enjoyed this little brief episode of Eco Chic all about water. If you have any questions or comments, want to talk about science or sustainability or anything else on that side, please go ahead and reach out. The easiest way to get in contact with me is via Instagram DM. I am at Laura E. Diaz. Otherwise, you can email me. I am Laura at LauraEDS.com. I will have all my links down below. I will have my email down below. And I will have additional resources if you like to calculate your water footprint, your carbon footprint, which I mentioned briefly. um, Or if you want to double check on those energy sources, I'll have those too. I hope you guys have a really... Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Eco Chic, a podcast all about practical science and sustainability. My name is Laura, and I am a graduate student studying climate science. If you're new to Eco Chic, welcome. I'm really, really excited to have you here. Every week, we're talking about climate change from a whole bunch of different angles, but also just personal tips on how to be a more responsible citizen of the planet. Have a great day, and I will see you next week. Bye.